Good morning. morning. Brittany, you inspired me. Hey, (laughs) y'all. First of all, Brittany, where'd you go? Oh, there you are. That was an amazing testimony. Thank you so much. And to the young adult group, thank you for instructions, confusing though they may have been. (laughs) I like to begin by saying that any expression of feeling the words spoken today is most welcome, silence, verbal affirmation, anything. Well, not anything, but (laughs) um, lots of different expressions are welcome. There you go. Thank you, Fred. Four score and seven years ago, our fathers brought forth on this continent a new nation, conceived in liberty and dedicated to the proposition that all men are created equal. We know who wrote that. It may surprise you to know that the man who wrote those famous words also wrote these. I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful face on the earth. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I fear I shall be unable to attend to business. I can write no more. Now, Abraham Lincoln was not an angsty teenager in January 1841 when he wrote these words. He was 31 years old and he was already a legend of sorts in the Midwest. He had been a prodigious speaker and teller of jokes, as if you saw the movie Lincoln, you saw that, and an Illinois state legislator. Many assumed he would be a national figure one day, and they were right. But what a lot of people don't know is that Lincoln nearly didn't make it at all. I wish I'd been taught about the Abraham Lincoln who believed he was the most miserable man living because there have been times where I would challenge him on that notion. When I was a kid, one of my favorite stories was the story, we're going on a bear hunt. Does anyone remember it? Maybe you were told it or told it to someone else. As I sat down to work on this, apparently a lot of people do, yeah. As I sat down to work on this service, the refrain just would not leave my head. If you don't know the story, as the family, or as the group, I can't remember which, hikes through the wilderness, they keep running into obstacles. For example, oh no, a snowstorm. Yes. (laughs) Oh, this is gonna be fun. Uh, Well, a snowstorm. Well, we can't go over it. Say it with me if you know it. Can't go under it. We can't go around it. So we got to go through it. Indeed. In 2005, the historian Joshua Wolf Shank published the book Lincoln's Melancholy. It was and is a, brown, a groundbreaking book, not merely because it introduced to a wider audience. Lincoln's struggle with what we now call depression, but because its thesis is that 
Lincoln's depression actually fueled his greatness. Schenck suggests that we reframe depression and see it not as an illness to get over, but as something that can, if we, yes, go through it, lead us to great things. Can't go over it. Can't go under it. Can't go around it. Gotta go through it. I bring to you Schenck's account of Lincoln's lifelong struggle with melancholy because whether depression is something that's near or far from your experience, Lincoln's difficulties with self-inflicted pressure, expectation management, and search for vocation are painful realities that many of us navigate. A particularly vicious depressive thought might go something like this. I have a good life. I shouldn't feel this way. Friends and family trying to help list off 16 good things about your life, to which we might reply, well, yes, that's great, but how does that help me get out of bed? I live what would have to be considered a blessed life. I served this past year as student body president of Harvard Divinity School, I work as ministerial intern of this historic and vibrant parish. I have a legion of wonderful friends, and I have talents I'd like to share with the world, one way or the other. I list these things, even though I know that doing so might lead some in my generation to sarcastically respond, cool story, bro. <laughs> Tell it again. Because that right there is the power of depression. Some of you may remember my February 3rd sermon, Two Black Kids, a Unitarian Universalist story. I think that sermon went well, and apparently I was not the only one. What's crazy is that five weeks later, I found myself barely able to get out of bed many days. Great things can be happening for us, and somehow it's just not enough. And here I want to make a distinction that is key to the rest of our exploration of depression together. You know, Lily and I were talking about this the other day at our all-staff meeting, and I thought she put it quite well. There are two phrases, one, the dark night of the body, and the other, the dark night of the soul that speak to distinct manifestations of depression. Some depressions are chemical, having little to do with circumstance. Other depressions and times of deep sadness relate more to the dark night of the soul or discontent with one's present reality. Many, of course, have elements of both. It should also be said that depression is a tough thing to talk about, and it's even tougher to analyze. As with any sermon from a UU pulpit, all I can do, or all I would ever want to do, is speak my own truth and hope that it helps others. So to continue, Schenck argues that Lincoln's talent and ambition, combined with genetics, teamed, to bring, teamed up to bring him down in a series of what we would now call severe depressive episodes in his early 30s. Schenck writes, 
The very irony of Lincoln's situation is that the very successes that sometimes propped him up also exerted an equally powerful force that could tear him down. And for a time, it did tear him down. Sufferers of depression such as Lincoln wonder if their moods will ever lift. And from here, psychologist Lauren Slater continues the point. These fears are 50% of what it means to be melancholy. If you were to be really, really depressed, she says, but knew that it would end in five days, it wouldn't be depression. We'd call it something else. So it isn't just that things are bad, but it also feels like there's no way out. And so it was for me. I looked at my resume with all the stuff, the Harvard, the this, the that, and I listened to the recording of my sermon and everyone's like, yeah, and go, you know, get all that stuff, right? But instead of being lifted up by reminders of my strengths, I spiraled even further down. I felt hopeless. I thought people think I'm something, but I can barely cook for myself right now. I can't clean my room. If I can't be that special person they see, I might as well just give up. Can't go over it. Can't go under it. Can't go around it. Gotta go through it. And I do see a way through it, friends. William Stafford wrote, ask me whether what I have done is my life. It is with these words that spiritual leader Parker Palmer begins his book, Let Your Life Speak. I really think about half of my religiously inclined friends, or the ones who knew something about how I was feeling, recommended the book to me. At least six people in this congregation did, for sure. So for the seven, of eight, seven or eight of you who haven't read it yet, let me be the 35th person to suggest <laughs> that you do so. Let your life speak. Parker Palmer helped me understand part of why I was so down. What I was doing was not my life. Palmer believes that the self seeks wholeness and that to try and live the life that others think we should lead is a recipe for deep sadness and despair. True self, Palmer writes, when violated, will always resist us, sometimes at great cost, holding our lives in check until we honor its truth. Most of you know by now that I am leaving the Unitarian Universalist ordination path because it's not for me. It's not the life I want to lead, at least not right now. Part of my depression was that deep down, I did not want to be a minister. I hadn't been listening to that internal voice and I ignored it at great cost. But I'm in this role of ministerial intern for another month and I get to be up here now. And I thought this message was just too important not to preach before I move on in June. I'm as committed to our Unitarian Universalist faith as ever. I'm not going anywhere. And this matters too much 
not to be talked about. Lincoln, in that most miserable man living letter of 1841, said, I must die or be better, it appears to me. He wondered if he would make it at all. Eventually, of course, he emerged and turned to the question of how he would live once he decided that he would. It is this question of how that haunts many of us. How are we to live these lives of ours? Depression and melancholy are tough to talk about. I was joking with Fred the other day, Fred and I joke around a lot, about the difficulty of giving a fiery, passionate sermon about deep sadness. <laughs> Some of you know that I'm looking at going into coaching. Fred and I didn't think a pregame speech would go over too well. Okay, it's our time. I want everyone to go out there, seek wellness, and get better. Of course, uh, if you can, and if not right now, that's fine. Um, okay, on three, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I don't think that would go over so well. But I have to tell you, First Parish, that I do feel fired up about this topic and that I do feel passionate about this battle with depression and that encountering hardship can be an opportunity for each of you and for this community. I think there are three lessons we can take from Lincoln's journey. The first is, as my mom advised me concerning my preaching, tell more jokes. Lincoln joked all the time. It became, as some of you know, a healthy deflection of his sadness. My second thought is that Lincoln's depression helped him be a great president and more importantly, a courageous and empathetic human being. I'm not saying that you have to go through real struggle to be either one. But the depth of Lincoln's sorrow afforded him extraordinary gifts of bravery and understanding. On December 23rd, 1862, in the midst of the Civil War, President Lincoln took the time to write a letter to a young woman whose father had died. The letter is filled with real empathy. Lincoln understood her sorrow because Lincoln had been there. He wrote, perfect relief is not possible except with time. You cannot now realize that you will ever feel better, but you are sure to be happy again. I have had experience enough to know what I say. And the third lesson is simple. Lincoln didn't go it alone. In the late 1830s and early 1840s, there were weeks that stretched into months where Lincoln's friends went almost everywhere with him for his own safety from himself. His friends kept an eye on him. If they, were, if they were a long way away, they wrote to him and let him know again and again, Abe, you are not alone. And that's what we're really talking about here. There are no quick fixes for depression. There are no easy bridges over it. There are no tunnels under it. There are no walkways around it. 
I highly doubt that my words here will lead to anyone saying to me in the receiving line or by email later, that's it, thank you, I'm better. <laughs> but I bring to you the story of Lincoln's melancholy because I saw in those words a challenge to our religious community and to our faith. And I believe so strongly that we have the ability to meet that challenge. If we are a faith that is willing to journey together into the scary places of our souls, to stare sadness and despair in the face with our head held high and say, we can't go over you, we can't go under you, we can't go around you, so we're going to go through you, then there is little we can't do. If we are willing to journey together, we can sing Love Will Guide Us with pride and feeling because love has truly led us through the hard night. If we are willing to journey together, we can sit with a newcomer's tears or a long timer's tears, even if we don't know why they're crying because those tears have been our tears. If we are willing to journey together, we'll plunge through that awkwardness and say peace or hello or hola to our pew neighbors on Sunday morning because we don't know where they've been, but we know where they are right now, and that's right here with us. If we are willing to journey together, we'll call someone up and see how they're doing, because yeah, maybe it's that they don't like us anymore, or maybe it's that they're struggling with something and they don't know how to reach out. If we are willing to journey together, we'll stand up for our faith because it has truly saved our lives. If we are willing to journey together through the dark nights of our souls, we'll do more than survive. We will inspire. This struggle can feel so tough and so lonely. I know that. But I have been down enough times to know that somewhere, somehow, there is hope. And I've never found it by myself. I've never found it alone. Two major depressive episodes in one school year, that's a lot. But my friends, my family, they just would not give up on me. They just would not quit, even when I wanted to. They insisted on believing that I would make it through. They insisted on believing that I was worthy. They insisted on believing that I would make it. Not because I'm a pretty good ultimate Frisbee player or because any title I hold or any school I go to, but because I am of the divine. I am worthy. And that's why I choose to believe in this faith and its ability to save lives. Whether you sing like angels or you sing like me, you... I gotta say here, Fred said, you know, you like music so much, why can't you sing, man? It's like... <laughs> Fred knows that I love him very much. Whether you sing like angels or you sing like me, you are worthy, friends. Whether you can speak before thousands or not, you are worthy. Whether you can listen deeply to one person right now or not, you are worthy. If your victory for today was getting out of bed and somehow making it here, you are worthy, my friends.
Whatever you are going through, whatever you've been through, no matter how many times you've been down, no matter how many times you'll be down again, you are worthy, my friends. You are worthy. You are needed. You are loved. Whatever you're going through, you are worthy. Say it to yourself right now if it helps. I am worthy. I am worthy. If we are willing to journey together, we won't want to go over it. We won't need to go under it. We'll have no desire to go around it. We will go through it. And when we do, we'll be ready. Amen and blessed be.